Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, research analyst with Money Markets, here with your weekend edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast. And uh, as is tradition, uh, I'd like to bring in uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore. But before I do that, uh, I do want to remind you to check out Money and Markets each and every day, where Charles and Adam, myself, and our entire team works very, very hard to make sure we're providing you with safe, sound, simple, and smart investment information for your portfolio. Just check out moneymarkets.com, sign up for our free daily e-letter, uh, and you'll get uh, that curated news each and every day. Uh, you'll get a piece from Adam or from Charles, myself, sometimes both of us, two of us, sometimes all of us. Uh, and and the, uh, the goal here is to make sure that you are being given the most safe, sound, smart, and simple profitable investment information. Uh, that you can get. So uh, make sure you check that out, moneymarkets.com. Now, today, a little bit different. Now, we, we've, we've kind of changed things up a little bit here with the weekend podcast where, uh, you know, over the last several weeks, uh, each one of us are bringing you a credible buy from any particular sector anywhere. And it doesn't really matter. Uh, sometimes they vary. Sometimes we're all on the same page because I like to think great minds think alike, but that may be a little too egotistical of me to think of that. Of that. I'm not really sure. Uh, but this time we're going to take a little bit different track. And, 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 you know, if you're reading the news any day, and I've read it any day over the last year, the, the one thing that has dominated the headlines is, is COVID-19, the coronavirus. That's a no-brainer. It's, it's a global pandemic. Uh, it still rages. We're, we're still seeing cases come out of it. We're still seeing deaths as a result of it. Um, and, and now, you know, a lot of the focus is on the vaccines and the vaccines that have rolled out across, uh, across the globe. Here in the United States, we have three. Uh, and, and what we decided to do today is I want to pose a question uh, to, to Charles, to Adam, and even to myself. And that is to examine each one of these three companies that have rolled out uh, vaccines that are actually on the market today. Uh, and that is Moderna, uh, then you have Pfizer, and then you have Johnson & Johnson. Uh, obviously, there's AstraZeneca, which is in the works, but I wanted to kind of focus on the main three that have, that have released to market right now. And, and, and you know, because as a smart investor, you want to make sure that you're kind of following trends, looking at long-term prospects, uh, and also not completely filtering out short-term news blips. Uh, and, and so these three companies all have the potential um, to, to do very well. But what I want to do is I want to, you know, kind of pick Adam's brain, pick Charles's brain, and even pick my brain to a slight extent in, in terms of looking at these three companies and, and finding out, is there the prospect for these companies, uh, for any one of these three companies or all these three companies uh, to, to, be worth your portfolio? Uh, are, are they worth putting in your portfolio? So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first off bring in uh, Greens and Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore. First off, Charles, welcome. Uh, and, and, and I want to start things off with Moderna. And the reason why I want to start off with you and with Moderna is because just a few days ago, um, you had uh, wrote an article on Money and Markets uh, explaining Moderna uh, and its bearish rating using our green zone, using Adam's six-factor green zone rating system. And I kind of want you to expand on that and talk a little bit more about Moderna and the prospects that you, that you see here, or are there any? Uh, so I'll, I'll just turn it over and, and give me your thoughts on Moderna. Yeah, sure. So when you're going with um, the biotech or genomics <clears throat> sphere, it's been likened to just throwing a big plate of spaghetti on the wall and, and seeing what noodles stick. And obviously that's, that's, that's a crude analogy, but there is some truth to that in that you are looking at what is mostly untested technology. You're looking at untested uh, medicines, untested treatments. 
And some of these are going to work out. Some of them aren't. So there's sort of a, I don't want to call it like a lottery ticket effect with, uh, with, this, with this sector, but it, it is sort of like that. There is a, a high risk component, but a very, very potentially high reward component. If you get one of these biotech or um, you know, genomics companies that are early stage, or they actually don't even have to be early stage, but if you get them before they announce you know, just a major blockbuster, you could make, you know, well, it's, you get one of those trades right, you may never have to trade again. You may just be set for life. Right? Like that's, how, that's how the asymmetric trade-off of these can be. Now, obviously, a lot of these strike out as well. So it's, it's, it is a tough area to, to navigate. But when you navigate it well, it, it can be very lucrative. Now, looking at Moderna, uh, Moderna is, is very cutting edge because it's, um, it, it's a dedicated company. Well, they do other stuff, but it, it's mostly dedicated to the mRNA uh, uh, techniques, uh, vaccines and, and therapies. Now, you know, the, these are different than, than traditional vaccines, of course. We don't have to completely rehash this, but they, 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 it's a genetic uh, attack on a virus as opposed to a traditional vaccine. Now, uh, where it gets fun is um, you really do have to, well, let me back up for a second. So Moderna is best known for its, um, for, for its COVID-19 vaccine, of course. But they have other things in the pipeline that will potentially change humanity. If Moderna had never had their COVID-19 vaccine, well, there's a gazillion other companies that have viable vaccines. It, it really wouldn't have made that big of a difference, right? But they're working on uh, mRNA te um, therapies for cancer. So it's early, of course, but if this works, if, if their therapies actually work, Imagine being able to get a vaccine against cancer. Just cancer is the scourge of, of the modern era. You know, people didn't die of cancer in earlier centuries because we didn't live long enough to die of cancer, right? As the human lifespan has increased, more of us die of cancer. It, it's primarily a disease of middle and older age. And so it is a huge potential game changer if, if Moderna's therapies work here and they're able to to eliminate what is one of the biggest killers in the modern world here. Now, looking at the numbers, Moderna's tough. I mean, it rates at 24 based on our uh, rating system. And you would, you would look at that on the surface and you would just run away screaming. But there are a couple things you have to keep in mind. You know, first off, it has a very limited trading history. And to really fully, uh, for our system to really work to its full extent, you have to have many years of, of history. Some of our metrics go back 10 years. So uh, that does penalize the company. But beyond that, remember, with a, a stock like this, historical data doesn't really matter because you are, you're trying to price um, future blockbusters and what those blockbusters might be worth. And that's, that's tricky. It's, it's hard, which is, which is what, what makes it fun. <laughs> but you know, looking at uh, looking at our metrics, where does it rate the best? It rates the best, ironically, based on volatility, despite it being pretty volatile stock. But the reason it rates well is in its short life as a public company, it's gone straight up, so it it actually doesn't have much volatility. And, um, it, and momentum is kind of the same story. It rates fairly well on momentum simply because 
yeah, it doesn't have much of a trading history, and it's in it in, in its in, in its short history, it's gone straight up. So, anyway, in my my view on Moderna is if you do want a stock that could potentially change the world, I think it's absolutely you know worth a spot in your portfolio. But it, it's a high risk, high return scenario. Like that's that's the nature of this beast. Adam, I, you know, I kind of want you to, to to talk a little bit more about that, and and uh, you know, give me your thoughts here, Moderna. You know, Charles laid out a nice ground groundwork here in that, uh, you know, Moderna is a type of company that has more to offer than just a coronavirus vaccine, and I think all three of these companies that we're going to be talking about today, all three of them kind of follow that similar roadmap. All three of them all have other therapies and treatments and vaccines and things that they offer. Does Moderna stand out to you, Adam? Uh, it does. I see a lot of potential in Moderna. Um, just to kind of rip off of some of the things Charles said, um, the volatility score is high, uh, partly because there's actually a lot of daily volatility in this stock. So on a day-to-day, -day, the, the price swings from high to low uh, today and versus yesterday are, are actually quite high. So you do, if you want to put a stop loss on this, you want to kind of put it farther away from the market than you would a you know, stock like Johnson & Johnson we'll talk about later. Um, but it, one of the main reasons it earns a high volatility score is its risk-adjusted return. So basically it's saying how much return have you gotten in the recent past versus the level of volatility. And since Moderna has uh, generated such high returns, it's basically up 400% uh, since the COVID uh, March 2020 bottom. Um, the level of volatility that you experience in that stock is, quote unquote, well worth it for the level of returns you get. So we call that risk-adjusted returns, and that's why it scores pretty well in volatility. Um, one other thing I'll say about what Charles said as far as throwing spaghetti on the wall, that makes it sound a little bit pessimistic, like it's just kind of like random guesses and whatnot. And I, I think the, the point is that there are a lot of winners and a lot of losers. So a lot of these stocks are going to go to zero. A lot of them will never develop the uh, treatments and therapies and cures that they are hoping to. And so they'll, they'll absolutely go bankrupt and go to zero. But there are also going to be some stocks to go up a thousand and ten thousand percent. So it's just trying to figure out which which of the winners are. And Charles made a great point that um, our six-factor green zone rating model is not ideal for this type of a sector, uh, and that's because uh, it's backward-looking. Uh, a lot of these companies don't have um, consistent revenues and consistent earnings. You're actually looking for future earnings and future revenues. They kind of come through in a binary fashion. Either they they don't come at all, or they come like uh, through like blockbusters. So that's why a lot of biotech stocks uh, or biotech ETFs that you uh, use with our green zone rating system aren't going to rate that well. Um, we personally stick to the green zone rating system fairly well in green zone fortunes, where we add one new uh, buy recommendation each month in our monthly newsletter. Uh, but I will say our top performing pick, which we added in May of 2020, is a genomics stock that rated uh, actually rates the poorest of all the stocks we hold. And that stock is, uh, is more than tripled since we've held it. So sometimes you do have to override the system, look beyond the, the hard, fast numbers and see the potential in that. And as uh, you know, Charles hit on it, the, the, future is, the future is DNA. I mean, it's going to make vaccines, traditional vaccines and traditional pharmaceuticals look like child's play. Um, you know, the, the cancer is, I have a hard time, I have, I, I'm very sensitive to being, uh, to talking about cancer cures, because I, I think that there are a lot of people, unfortunately, in the newsletter, financial newsletter industry, that have used for years this tout that we're gonna cure cancer, here's the company that's gonna do it. And I think that it's insensitive to the millions of people that contract cancer and, and die from cancer and that we don't have cures for cancer yet. Um, but there is some thought, I mean, I read a prominent expert recently that says that within the next five years, uh, genomics related therapies can cure about 85% 
of cancers. And if they can't cure them completely, we're gonna come up with much better therapies that can be tailored to the individual patient based on their DNA. And you can do that with liquid biopsies. So rather than taking you know, traditional biopsies, you can just pull some blood, analyze the DNA fragments in that blood, figure out um, the mutations that that cancer is undergoing and figure out which uh, therapies are gonna be best for that particular patient. So we're moving light years ahead of where we have been in that, in that regard. And I think it's a huge uh, opportunity. So definitely uh, fairly bullish on Moderna. You do have to watch the, uh, the valuations that are quite high and maybe wait for a pullback to the moving averages, but, um, but certainly a lot of long-term opportunity there. I, I jump in, uh, Matt, I jump in and say one, one other quick sure. thing. So one of the issues with cancer treatments today is that they're, they're brutal for the patient. I mean, most cancer therapies are extremely hard and painful for the patient to endure. Um, anything that moves beyond today's treatments is likely a major improvement. So, um, you know, can Moderna be part of that? You know, we'll see. I think the other thing to consider here, and the other thing to think about, and I, I, don't, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but, you know, I think whenever we start seeing those, those cures for cancer uh, roll out, I really think that we're going to see kind of a collaborative effort that we've seen with coronavirus. Uh, with the coronavirus vaccine, and 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 I, that leads me into Pfizer, uh, you know, to talk about Pfizer. Whereas Pfizer, you know, they partnered with German biotech uh, company BioNTech SE uh, to to develop their coronavirus vaccine. And I think you're going to see a lot of that once you have that first company that comes out and says, "Okay, we got it." Then you're going to start seeing other companies kind of work together, start collaborating, and 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 really push these cures for these major, you know, these major diseases, you know, to the market. Um, you know, I, I like Moderna. I, I, I like it. I, I like the portfolio they offer outside of the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's got a lot of uh, solid, solid numbers when I, when I look at, you know, things like it, it's, it's pricing, it's, it's return on things like that. I, I, I kind of like where they are. Uh, it, it's, it's just, this is a very hard seg, hard segment to really, um, you know, predict if you will, just because there are so many, uh, revolutions that happen at such a rapid pace that it's, it, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint and say, okay, this is good or this is bad because you never things change from day to day. It's kind of like when tech was first uh, rolling out, things changed all the time. And it was very hard to say that this tech company was going to knock it out of the park, but this tech company wasn't, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, you're probably wrong. But to, to lead in and talk about Pfizer, you know, I, I got into a little bit of an issue with Pfizer in November. I recorded an episode of the Boulder Bear podcast in November, and I lined out why I didn't really think that Pfizer was going to be the winner of the coronavirus, not of the COVID-19 vaccine sweepstakes. Not so much that I didn't think that it was going to be profitable, but I thought that as an investor, if you were really looking at a company to invest in to try to you know, see gains as a result of the vaccine that Pfizer was not necessarily the one to look at. And I had a lot of criticism uh, on, on YouTube and other places. That, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. And one of the main reasons why is because, you know, you know Pfizer's price spiked pretty significantly uh, at the end of December and into, into January. Uh, and, and, you know, when I recommend, when I, when I talked about that, I, you know, at the point in November, you know, Pfizer stock had only risen about 9% in the trailing 12 months. And that was compared to a 12% gain by the entire biopharma industry over the same time, at least by the average. When they announced their vaccine test results, Pfizer stock hit a 52 week high. It was going at over $40 a share. Uh, and that's when I started really taking a, a, a bit of a shellacking by some of our viewers and say, oh, Matt, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Pfizer is the next big thing. 
okay, well, I, I let that rest because I, lo- I want to look at things more in a long-term perspective, not in a day trading perspective. So since hitting that high back in December, Pfizer stock has actually paired back and now trades below where it was when I, when I said it wasn't a buy. It was at about 30, between, it was bouncing between 36 and 38. It's not around 35 a share. So, um, you know, and, and the recent pullback widened the gap between Pfizer and the S&P Pharmaceuticals, uh, Biotech and Life Sciences Index. Uh, you know, Pfizer's gain is obviously what I've talked about, but you know, it's about 19% over the last 12 months. S&P Pharma Index uh, uh, it has gained close to 40% uh, over that same time frame. And so, uh, you know, in terms of is, is Pfizer going to be a big winner when it comes to uh, you know, the coronavirus vaccine. Again, no, I, I don't, it, it's not. I think there's other players coming to market. We've already talked about one. We're going to talk about another. There's still one more on the horizon in, in Europe with AstraZeneca uh, that, that, you know, are, is going to be coming out here soon. Now, that said, Pfizer does have, as Moderna does, other things on the market that it has to offer. Um, but are those things, you know, necessarily valuable enough to push things forward? And what else does Pfizer have in the pipeline? The answer here is, is it's hard to say, you know, are the things that, that Pfizer offers now, like Viagra, uh, is that, is that worth a massive market share? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really think so. I, I don't, I don't think that that, I think that market's there. I think it's been kind of tapped out. I don't really see any more growth for that in the near future. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like with Moderna. I, you know, they have the potential to be game changers. They also have the potential to do nothing at all. Uh, so I, I think with, with Pfizer, if, if Pfizer's something that attracts you as an investor, uh, I think you just have to exercise a lot of caution. Um, I, I just, I'm just not sure where the growth potential is right now. That's not saying that there's not, that there's not growth potential for Pfizer and I don't see it. I just don't see it right now. So that's kind of my thought on, uh, on Pfizer. Charles, I, I see you kind of nodding, maybe even shaking your head. What are your thoughts on Pfizer? Uh, yeah. So, so the larger established pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer, when they don't have uh, a great pipeline, um, or their pipeline is, they don't have anything just on the, you know, right on the immediate horizon. A lot of times they'll compensate for that by just buying another biotech company. So they'll end up just buying some smaller up and coming biotech that may have a new potential blockbuster. Um, that's, but that's, that's risky. That's a risky, uh, as, the, as, as you and me, as the investors here, that, that's a risky proposition. Do you buy Pfizer thinking that, well, they're going to buy somebody else that's going to be great? Probably not. I will also add, that I have a hard, hard sell on Pfizer because I just got my second uh, COVID uh, vaccine shot from Pfizer yesterday and my arm feels like it's about to fall off and the rest of my body feels like I got run over by a tank. So um, that is my view of Pfizer. So so based on your experience with the coronavirus vaccine and the fact that your arm hurts, Pfizer is a hard pass. I, I, what I will say is I am not um, sufficiently objective in my view of Pfizer right now to express a real investment opinion because my arm hurts, yes. Uh, my next question was going to be, did you pick your NCAA basketball, college basketball bracket based on mascots or the colors of the uniforms too? Or Oh, that, that's not how you do it. That, that's... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, again, I'll, I'll probably even take a little bit more ribbing that people do believe that Pfizer does have a lot of potential here. And it, it, it might, I, again, I just don't see it. I, I, don't, I don't see where that potential is right now. They're a pharma company. They're a big pharma company. They're going to be developing new things. Uh, you, know, it, it, you know, the worst thing for a pharma company is to stay stagnant. 
you know, you don't want to just rely on what you've done. You have your, your to continue drugs, developing. Your, your drugs eventually go off off patent, when, and and then exactly. you really have, you know, then you're just stuck selling a generic drug at um, a much a smaller at a profit much rate. lower price point. Um, now I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to turn it over to Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, and, and we'll talk about our third vaccine player here in the United States, and that is Johnson and Johnson. And Adam, uh, you know, we talk about how the green zone ratings uh, aren't necessarily indicative of the potential of a stock in the biopharma, uh, you know, industry. However, Johnson Johnson, out of these three, actually rates the best. Uh, yeah, it does. It rates the best, but it rates a 45 out of 100. So it's still just a bit below average. Um, the two factors that it rates the best on are quality and low volatility. Uh, so this is a stock that isn't volatile day to day or month to month. Um, it's not pumping out the risk adjusted returns like a Moderna. Um, you know, it's quality because it has a long history of positive cash flows. And, you know, Johnson & Johnson doesn't just do vaccines. They do number of you know real products and in, in, uh, in, in the in the healthcare sector as well as the consumer staples sector so you know it's hard to argue with Johnson and Johnson being a bad investment um, but I don't really see it being a good investment um, if certainly if you're trying to make a play on vaccines or make a play on COVID or make a play on innovation in the healthcare sector moving forward uh, I don't see Johnson Johnson doing it they're so large they're so correlated with the S&P 500 you might as well just buy SPY the S&P 500 ETF um, you're not really getting anything special with Johnson & Johnson and as I said I mean if you're really looking for something innovative um, it's, it's not going to be in an old guard uh, juggernaut like Johnson & Johnson in my opinion um, you know back to the idea that uh, you know that within biotech, you know, there's a lot of winners and a lot of losers. One way to combat that is to buy a diversified exchange traded fund, an ETF. Um, so you can do that based on a, a biotech index, if you'd like, um, or you can go with an active manager. Um, there's one right now, there's a, a family of funds called ARK, A-R-K, getting a ton of press right now because last year after being, um, you know, in the market for four or five years, um, they really caught fire last year in 2020 and got tons and tons of inflows. They're Flagship innovation fund is like 18 billion. Their second largest fund is on genomics. Uh, that's ARKG, A-R-K-G, has about uh, $8 billion in it. And it's run by Kathy Wood. And so she's gotten a ton of press because they got tons of inflows last year. Uh, more recently, they've, they've had outflows as a lot of these stocks have kind of gotten ahead of themselves. Uh, but the point is ARKG, A-R-K-G, is a diversified, actively managed fund of leading, innovative uh, healthcare biotech companies. Uh, who are predominantly um, developing therapies and diagnostics and tools in the healthcare system that are based on genomics, which is the study of DNA, the human, uh, the human genome, and how to do testing and therapies based on individuals' DNA sequences and mutations they may have or different um, you know, carrier genes, things like that. So that is the future of uh, medicine. So it's going to make vaccines and, and pills you pop and lotions you put on your skin look like child's play. Um, it's going to be a much more precise medicine moving forward. And this isn't something that's, you know, 20, 30 years out in the future in science fiction. This is stuff that's happening right now. So I mean, one of the companies that's in the top five of that ETF, ARKG, uh, is basically developing antibody um, solutions for COVID-19 right now this year. And they're up 400% along with Moderna since the March 2020 bottom. So that's actually the stock that we have in the Green Zone Fortunes um, newsletter. And uh, so we're very bullish on the genomics field. Um, we're, we're looking at it as uh, certainly where the innovation is coming. 
And if you want to take a diversified approach, you can certainly uh, buy that fund. It's, it's certainly on a dip right now, so you can get it at a better price than you could have over the past few months. That's ARKG, A-R-K-G. Um, so we'll actually write about that some on the Money Markets website. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely where we see the future of, of medicine. So to uh, to kind of wrap up here, in terms of our thoughts on the three coronavirus play, uh, vaccine players right now, uh, Moderna, I, I think I think we all see a lot of potential there. Uh, they, they've done very well for themselves, even beyond the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Pfizer, big, not really sure where they're going next. Uh, they, they have established drugs now, but what are they doing for the future right now? Probably uh, a bit of a pass. Uh, and then in terms of Johnson & Johnson, another big established player, but one that is probably not going to be at the cutting edge of innovation uh, anytime soon. But Adam does bring up a good point uh, that, you know, if, if biotech and, and, and genomics uh, are something that you are interested in putting into your portfolio, and I think the three of us are all on the same page in saying that you should, uh, then one way to, uh, to, to diversify yourself is to look at, uh, you know, a, a, an exchange-traded fund like ARKG, that's A-R-K-G. Uh, it is the ARK Innovation Genomics Fund, I believe, is the official uh, name of it. And we're going we're, we're gonna to cover this a lot more on moneyandmarkets.com, so make sure you are checking that out. Charles Sizemore, any, uh, any parting shots on the weekend? No, with Johnson & Johnson, I, I would throw out that it's almost more of a bond proxy than a, than a stock investment. It, it's such a big, boring, um, you know, non-low you know, volatility dividend payer. It almost belongs in the fixed income part of your portfolio, but yeah, I I, I agree with Adam. It, it's not it's not particularly exciting. If you want growth, you're going to have to go with something a bit more aggressive, like a Moderna. And uh, Adam, parting shot for the weekend? Not much. I mean, just so much of the narrative is focused on COVID, but we will get past COVID, and you know, so I, you want to look for investments that are going to do well over the next three five years, not just uh, during the the hype of the pandemic. So. Um, that's why we see, you know, DNA medicine, genomics as, as the future, not just who's making the vaccine uh, currently. So you have to look beyond that, the, the headlines. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch headlines, but investing on headlines is never is not ever really a good idea. <laughs> it's just because it, it moves so frequently. Uh, like I said, fun new stories to read not so much to put your money into. So uh, that's uh, kind of going to wrap it up for us for the weekend edition of The Bull and the Bear. Make sure you're checking out moneymarkets.com each and every day uh, where Adam, Charles, myself, and our entire team work very hard, very diligently to provide you safe, sound, smart, and simple profitable investment information you can use to bolster your profits in your portfolio. That is a lot of S's and a lot of P's in the same sentence, but uh, I'm able to pull it off. So I, I, I spent a lot of time practicing. Uh, so that, that, make sure you're doing that. We'll have much more, much more coming up. Uh, remember, on Sunday, we'll have our week ahead. Uh, I'll give you uh, what you need to look out for on Wall Street coming up next week. Uh, we'll have the marijuana market update as well, so make sure you have that. Also, don't forget to check out uh, uh, Adam's Ask Adam Anything. That is going to come out uh, first part of next week. We've, uh, uh, we, we ask Adam anything. I mean anything. Usually it's stock related. It's not, you know, life altering or, uh, you know, what should I name my child or anything like that. Although it's entirely possible that could happen. Uh, and then also don't forget Charles Sizemore has uh, Investing with Charles. That is also on our YouTube channel. Just go to moneymarkets.com. You're already there. Uh, if you're watching this, if you're listening to us as a podcast, youtube.com, uh, search Money and Markets. We've got the green bull and the bear logo. Make sure you click that, uh, subscribe to the channel, and then mash the little bell right next to it. Get notified each and every time we put out a new video. Moneymarkets.com. Sign up for our free daily e-letter as well. Uh, you'll get safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable investment information delivered to your inbox each and every every day, including Saturday and Sunday, for free. Our team works very hard. We, we've got a great team at Money Markets that we all, uh, uh, they all work diligently to make sure we're giving you that information uh, on time, 
it's smart, it's safe, it's sound, it's simple, and it's uh, very, very easy for you. Uh, we've got a lot, much, a lot, a lot on the on the on the docket coming up soon. So you want to make sure you're keeping it uh, tuned in here on our YouTube channel and uh, or on our podcast channels uh, to keep up to date on what we have uh, what we have coming up down the pipeline. So for uh, Greens Unfortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore and our chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell, I am Money and Markets research analyst Matt Clark. Until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 